A reading from the first chapter of the first epistle of John, beginning with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Assessing, repenting, and being forgiven. In some ways, that is the story of Lent. How do, we take, how do we take stock of sin when the world today wants to act like as if there is no such thing as sin? How do we take stock of wrongdoing? How do we take stock of not being in right relationship with God? Because in truth, what we're concerned with more is capital letter S-I-N, not little S-I-N. Little S-I-N is all that stuff you do. Capital S-I-N is the reason you do it. And I do it. That DVD made me say bad words today. It's Windows 10's fault. And I was thinking to myself, how appropriate that tonight I get to come and have you all tell me my sins are forgiven. Because I need it. Our condition... Our condition is what plagues us. All of humanity. How do we assess that? In the Hebrew and Christian tradition, we have always assessed that with stories. Always. From the beginning, we've told stories, and they started with the words, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was null and void. And then what did God do? Anybody remember? God spoke. A command. And a promise. And suddenly where there had been nothing, there was limitless potential. Where suddenly there had been nothing. God's love was known. Because God creates out of love. God didn't need to create. God loved and so God created. And the age old answer to why did God create you? Say why did God create me? For love. To love you. And the story is that God formed out of the dust of the earth a body. And that He breathed into that body the breath of life. And the, nef- and the Adam became a nephesh, a living soul. The Adam, the Hebrew word for body, became the Hebrew word for man became a man. Adam became a living spirit. 
because God had breathed into him. And then God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. God foreknew that I would be helpless without Samantha. And God said, I will make someone to complete him. And so God made woman so that man could know love. Because God always creates out of love. And sometime not long after that, things went horribly wrong. When they were introduced to the concept that they were not all they could be. That they didn't have everything they could have. That there was something lacking in them. Even though they had been created to be perfect, even though they had been created to be everything they needed to be, the serpent whispered in the ear of Adam and Eve and said, you'll just be like God. For God had told them, you can eat everything that's in the garden. Even the tree of life was included in that. But you can't eat the tree in the center. You can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Notice that he didn't just say tree of knowledge, right? right? God doesn't want us to be ignorant like some people say. Just When you hear people say that, just let that go over you. you know this? But God didn't want us to know evil. Have you ever seen evil produce a loving relationship? Ever. God knew that evil would destroy love in us. It would cause us to envy. It would cause us to hate. It would cause us to be jealous. It would cause us to cause pain. It would cause us to lose our respect for life. It would cause us to lose our respect for God. And our love for God. And that's exactly what happened. And just a few short lines in the text later, Cain kills his own brother out of jealousy and fear. How do we assess that in ourselves? All of us who have called Christ Lord are being changed, are being remade in Jesus' image, remade in the image of love, the very image of love. The writer of Hebrews tells us that He is the exact image of the Father. And we know that God is love. And we know that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And we are being changed to match that image, to reflect His glory. And so we can look at ourselves and ask, what is there in me that does not reflect Christ? And that's how we know what sin is. What is there in me that does not look like loving God and loving my neighbor? What manner of speech is there in me? What manner of thought that looks like it's born of hate? Instead of love. That's how we assess what sin is in us. And we're called to repent of that. When John the Baptist came, he said, Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus came, he thought that was a pretty good sermon. So he started preaching it too. Because that's why he came to tell us to repent and believe the good news. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And if, if, we, if we were... To allow the possibility we could know that right now Christ stands in our midst. 
and that the kingdom is within us because we have claimed Him as our own. And if we have claimed Him, we can rest assured He has claimed us. To repent means to turn and walk the other way. It reminds us of when Adam and Eve were told, you cannot live forever knowing the difference between good and evil. And they were placed out of the garden and told to leave the presence of God. They walked away from God because they had to, because to be in God's presence was instantaneous death if you're sinful. But Christ makes a way for us to return, to turn around and walk back into the garden of the kingdom to be in God's presence. And to remember that God loves us. That's what repenting means. It doesn't mean saying, I'm sorry. It means, God, I will turn. I will turn and come toward You and live for You. Instead of living for myself. How do we ask for forgiveness? I think that if you only ever memorize one verse of the Bible, John 3.16 is a pretty good one to remember. Is that fair to say? I would suggest to you that John, 1 John 1.9 is just as important. Let me read that to you again. Shouldn't have put them glasses back up. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. After we've assessed ourselves, after we have committed to repent and turn away, how do we find forgiveness? How can we be assured that God will forgive us? John tells us that God is faithful and just and will forgive. There's no option. All that's required is confession. A simple act of saying, I have sinned. God knows it already. (laughs) You're not breaking any news to God. When we confess our sin, we remind ourselves of our place and of our need for grace. And John tells us that if we will simply confess that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, that is a promise, dear ones, that we can hold on to. Jesus made a point to tell us that there was only one sin that was unforgivable. Only one. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And since then, there's been about 5 million gallons of ink spilled on paper trying to figure out what that is. The best answer I have ever seen was on InfoServe, a part of the old United Methodist Church website where you could send in questions And they would get some pastor to write an answer and they would place it up there. And the best answer I have ever seen for have I committed the unpardonable sin was if you're worried about it, you haven't done it. The unpardonable sin is completely turning our back on God and walking away. And separating ourselves from God. Tonight, in this Ash Wednesday service, we have an opportunity to commit to not separate ourselves. To admit that we're sinful. Remember that we were formed out of the dust, and to the dust we shall return. To repent and believe the gospel. 
through the simple act of being marked and saying in our hearts, I desire to walk a different path. Jesus called the path of sin and serving yourself the wide, a wide road. Many, he said, are those who enter that wide road. But when he referred to the way of life, he called it the narrow way, the narrow gate, the narrow road. And had the audacity to say, few find it. But it's not hard to find. That's what makes staying on the wide road crazy. The narrow way is not hard to find. It's just following Christ. Let us assess ourselves. Where is there sin in us? Let us repent. And dear ones, be assured of God's forgiveness. For as we confess our sin, we are forgiven.